everybody. This is John Burns with New Heights 360, and I have a very special guest on today, Carrie Schmidt, who has a unbelievable story, and it's a very touching story, and it's a story that I, I really felt like needs to be shared, in my opinion, and it's not a story that's over. It's like a story that's going on a daily basis, and it's changing and evolving and and moving but the base of the story has not changed and you're with team jackson yes and for those of you out there probably wondering who team jackson is team jackson jackson was her seven-year-old son who passed away in july and the story to it and where we're at today is very interesting and how we even became connected is even crazier yeah definitely that all revolved around a garage door. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. So with that, Carrie, I wanted to go ahead and just let you kind of roll with, you know, sharing your story and, and, and kind of how we ended up here today Okay. with this whole situation. All right. Well, um, I am married to my husband, Mike. Um, together we have two sons, Jackson, who was seven, and Ivan just turned four. Mike also has a daughter who's 18, Grace. Um, um, I guess really the story started about five years ago. Um, a friend of mine at work decided to, uh, do St. Baldrick's and shave her head for childhood cancer research. And at that time, um, a girl that I went to high school with had lost her son to cancer, but that was the only person that I knew. And my reasoning for shaving my head was because I couldn't imagine having a child with cancer. Um, so I went to the event at Helen Fitzgerald's and shaved my head and it's, the event there is unbelievable. They have about 360 people that shave their head every year and about 88 of them are women. Um, so it's not to say that it's not a big deal when a guy shaves his head because it is, but it's a really big deal when a woman shaves her head. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Because women's hair is like a lot of times how they identify themselves. Sure. So it actually kind of when I when I realized that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, I like you know being a little bit different. Um, and after I shaved my head, I cried for about three days. Um, and then after that, I really have never felt more beautiful. Um, I realized how much people stared, um, which gave me empathy because I realized that I probably inadvertently stared at people without thinking about it. Um, but they have little buttons that say, ask me why I'm bald or bald, bald by choice. And then that kind of gets the conversation flowing. So I shaved my head for three years. Um, and then I volunteered a year. And then in 2019, uh, Jackson, uh, my son, decided to shave his head for a trivia night for our friends whose daughter had, had cancer but went into remission. Um, wow, at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. He well, he had seen me do it, and um, but he came up with it on his own. He wanted to do it on his own. I've never m- forced him to do anything like that. And um, so at school, when he was telling his uh, classmates, you know, and teachers and stuff, his teacher said everyone looked at him like he had two heads because you just don't hear about a first grader all the time, you know, saying that they want to do something for children, and you know. He, he didn't – the only person he knew was his friend who had re, went into remission. Um, so at the trivia night, he was the only person who shaved, and he raised $1,200 that night. And How unbelievable I know, was that? I know. It was awesome. And everybody was so proud of him. And uh, so fast forward to March. Um, well, let me tell a little bit of a backstory. Sure. Um, I – I was a surrogate, um, so I carried a baby for a couple that um, I did not know previous to this. um, I didn't know previous to being matched with this couple. Okay. Um, And uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit. Um, So I was pregnant at the time that Jackson shaved his head. And so if we can fast forward to May, I was about seven months pregnant. 
and uh, Jackson's legs started hurting, and uh, we were trying to figure that out. And at the time, my mind was growing about, pains or something. Grow, is that's exactly what we thought it Cause was? Because I, I I had that real bad when I yeah. was around that age. Where yeah. Growing pains in the legs. Exactly. Mom and dad rubbed the legs at night. Right. Um, you know, so we had went to the doctor and, um, you know, we were going through various different channels and um, we just really weren't getting any answers. And so, um, you know, it would come and go, but mostly it was there from about the beginning of May on. Um, you know, it was summertime. We, it was hot. I was big pregnant so I really didn't feel like doing a whole lot outside so the fact that his activity level was a little bit lower didn't register much with me he still liked to go swimming so we would go swimming that was something I like to do too um so there wasn't there were red flags but I don't know I it was nagging me I didn't really know for sure like I just couldn't quite figure it out but my mind was half focused on the fact that I was going to deliver a baby for someone else and half focused on how do we get to the root of this issue with his leg? Um, so I delivered the surrogate baby, healthy baby boy, July 8th. Um, Jackson and, and my other son, Ivan, came to the hospital, held the baby. You know, everybody got to celebrate that. And so because Jackson was very attached to my pregnant belly and he rubbed my belly and, you know, he was really very into it. And it was really important for me to not just tell my kids to help other people. I wanted to show them. And I also wanted them to see that there is a lot of goodness in this world because I feel like we can get very bogged down by all the negativity. Um, and, and it's very present. But if you can focus on the beautiful, the beautiful things, there are a lot of beautiful things that go oh, on absolutely. Um, so I've always tried to really – not just tell them, but show them. So obviously the surrogacy was a big deal for our family. Um, so now was he like that when Ivan was in your belly too? Oh yeah. He, he loved my belly. He loves babies, loves little kids, loves to hold babies so much. So he, he definitely was very into it. Now he was definitely a little bit jealous of his brother cause he took some attention <laughs> away from him. So this was kind of a good deal. You know, it's like I get to carry I get this to enjoy baby. it, but the baby's going yeah. away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, they, they like the idea of having a, a little baby around, but I'm like, well, that's just one more thing to take attention away from you yeah so that's kind of how you know we I think they like about- the idea but oh, yeah. when it's when, when they realize because I remember uh my 12 year old when my eight year old came along he come up to me one day and he's like so when does he leave oh yeah oh yeah because <laughs> yeah. he was over it yeah oh yeah yes that's definitely Jackson he loved his brother very much but he realized that that took some attention away from him too so um so I so I got released from the hospital on a Wednesday and my husband had a stomach bug and then uh, he got better and then Jackson showed up with a stomach bug on Friday. And so we kind of thought that he was following in the same steps as Mike and then he just wasn't turning the corner. And so Sunday morning, um, I couldn't get him to eat or drink anything. So I was like, well, maybe he's dehydrated. So I took him to the hospital or I took him to the emergency room. And they, he started answering questions in a very weird way, like just not like he would normally respond to questions. And so they did a head CT at the emergency room. And when they came back, they said that there were some abnormal spots in his brain and so that they were going to send him on to Children's Hospital. And um, I, they thought it was encephalitis. At this point, I'm still thinking – He's going to be okay. Yeah, he's going to be okay. Right. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. And then they said said also that he had – they felt a mass in his leg, Um, which wasn't really a surprise to me either because we had been trying to figure out what was going on with his leg. And um, so when we got to Children's, you know, they really started getting busy with doing different tests and stuff like that. And uh, later that night, they – came back after doing a brain MRI um, and an MRI of his femur um, that he had had multiple strokes and a nine-inch tumor in his femur. So would that explain why he was not answering things? Yes. So yes. just in that short period of time? Yes. 
Yes. I think you said like six strokes. Uh, well, at that point, he had had about three. And so then, he had about three. Right. On So this was on a Sunday. And then Monday, we found out that he also had a flap on his mitral valve. And they weren't sure if the the strokes or the blood clots were coming from the tumor or the flap on his mitral valve. Everything was so emergent and just moving so quickly that they weren't able to really be able to tell that at the time. Um, so then um, on Tuesday, he had uh, a few more strokes. So he had a total of six strokes in his brain, um, strokes in his spleen and his kidney, the flap on his mitral valve, and then the nine-inch tumor in his femur. And we were in total shock. I mean, total shock. This is like being thrown from a car on the highway at 70 miles an hour. Yes, yes. And then I was, you know, six days postpartum also. Um, so I'm pushing a breast pump around the pick you trying to. With hormones bouncing around like a, like a rubber ball. It felt very cruel. It felt yeah. very cruel. Um, and so, you know, we had a lot of visitors. Um, you know, we, we were really holding on to hope. Um, you know, like I said, everything was changing so quickly. So it was like what ended up becoming the issue was the pressure in his brain. Um, you know, the, the cancer was definitely a problem. Right. Um, but it was like they had to focus on what was going on with his brain. Um, the swelling was just they couldn't control it. Um, Were they, they not sure what was causing it or <sighs> – they, they, it was hard for them to get to that answer because everything in his brain became such an issue, like the swelling. And um, and it was happening so quickly. It was happening very quickly. Um, so we were told, um, I was told at 3 o'clock in the morning um, on Saturday, July 20th, that there was nothing that they could do. And um, he... Uh, they told us that his brain was going to herniate, um, which means that it swells so much that it falls out of the cavity. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is horrible to think about. I mean, it's – I mean, first of all, when they said our seven-year-old son had multiple strokes, I was like, how does a seven-year-old have multiple strokes? I I don't even understand that. I don't even know how you would wrap your brain around it. We couldn't, and we probably didn't. I mean, we were probably halfway walk, walking around in denial. I mean, we had there were eight different teams of doctors talking to us, and I was like, we were getting fire hosed every second of the day. I mean, like, new information. It was like we had people there that were almost, like, interpreting for us and that were writing down notes because it was just like – plus, we had another child um, at home – who we really didn't want to bring him up because he had so much equipment on him and we just really weren't sure how to deal with that. Um, there, uh, there are child life specialists at the hospital who um, I actually had worked with someone who used to be a child life specialist. So I knew that those services were available, which I'm so thankful now because they did music therapy for Jackson while he was there. He loved music so much. And so they came up and played the guitar and sang to him and played, like, his favorite songs. And, and it seemed to kind of lower his uh, pressures, pressures in his yeah. brain. Um, so, and they said, too, they said, if we're in the room um, and we're talking to him and that brings his pressures down, then you stay in here and talk to him all day. But if you're in there and it makes his pressures go up, then we need to really have low stimulation in the room. So it was always kind of like walking a fine line. <sighs> I didn't know what to do. Like I just wanted to do what was best for him. But because again, at this time we still thought he was going to survive. Um, they gave us, you know, I I'm not upset that they, they weren't giving us false hope. They were telling us the truth, but we were holding on to hope because well, <laughs> we didn't want our son to die. Um, so one and it was so sudden. I mean, <sighs> in the span of a, Six less days. than a yeah, less than a week. Yeah. Literally, your whole entire 
way of life was yeah. just flipped upside down. Yeah, we were ready to make arrangements um, to have Ivan with a nanny because um, I'm like, well, if, if Jackson's going to be going through chemotherapy, we really shouldn't have Ivan at a daycare because I don't want all those germs. I mean, like I was like planning for the long haul, like how I was going to be at home and how I was going to be with Ivan because we wanted to have I, we wanted Ivan to have some normalcy, too, because he didn't know what was going on, you know. So, um, with the child life specialist, they, um, they were, they helped us because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to tell him that his brother is dying. Um, and so because of his developmental age, they don't understand death really until about four and a half. Their, their brains just can't really right. comprehend the permanency of it. So, you know, a lot of times people kind of want to fluff it up a little bit because it's easier you know sometimes people say well grandma's asleep <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and then the kids like wondering when well, grandma's right. gonna wake back up right but. and they told us they said you have to use the words died and death you okay. cannot say we lost jackson or he passed away because if we say to ivan we lost jackson he might say well where is he or when are we going to go look for right, him?" right right so to use those kind of words is painful at times. So in the midst of dealing with all this, you're also having to navigate with your youngest. Right, right. Yes. So we were switching back and forth, Mike and I. Um, I would go home one night, and he would stay at the hospital. So the, that way at least one of us was getting a good night's rest, and we were giving normalcy to Ivan. I mean, whatever normalcy is now, we have a whole new <laughs> version of what normal is. Um, but he was getting tossed around, and he was not liking it. So it was like, okay, let's give him some kind of you stability. Know, right. So we brought him up to the hospital, and we gave him the choice because you know what? This is the kind of situation where you don't get any do-overs. I can't look back later and say, I wish we would have let him see him. Or, you know, I was like – that's my form of parenting anyway is a very honest upfront we got to say we got to tell the truth you yeah. know i unfortunately i've seen situations of where people want to protect their child and so they don't want to face those kind of and it things it can actually cause more harm it really can it really can so through the guidance of the child life specialist you know ivan got to be there and he got if he wanted to we didn't make him um, and it was hard. I mean, it was, it I can't was, even imagine what, so in the whole scheme of this experience up to that point, and then you add that experience. Yeah. I really feel like Ivan was probably so confused because I had been at the hospital to deliver a baby and then now we're at a different hospital and his brother's there and his brother was okay, and then all of a sudden he wasn't okay. So he probably wasn't totally processing. No, but, you know, you would be surprised. But they're pretty smart, uh, too. So they're so a, much smarter than we give them credit yeah, for. Yeah, so it's, you know. Yeah, yeah he uh, when we brought him in the room, um, because we had to say um, he doesn't need his arms and legs anymore, his head, you know. I mean, they, they need that concrete information. Right. So he wanted to see his hands, and he wanted to see his feet. It was that's what he needed to do. And he knew that he had a machine that was breathing for him. And so we said, well, what do you think would happen if they turn the machine off? And he said he would stop breathing and he would die. So he was able to. He did comprehend that. OK. Which. Losing a child is obviously the most painful and a parent's worst nightmare. Having to have a conversation like this with my three-and-a-half-year-old baby, to me, was the worst. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of how we did it, but to say that that is when my heart split into two, that's the only way I can describe it. Because I, I'm constantly now feeling pulled because all I do is think about Jackson. I mean, there is not one second in the day that my mind is not thinking about Jackson. His memories and, and just the time we had together and when he was born and everything. I mean, there is a movie in my head at all times. I sometimes don't even know how I function. Well, and it's not like you had a lot of time. 
No, but the seven years that we did have. No, I'm talking about like to, to, when, to, when he yes, got sick. Yes, it was like agreed. so. Yes. I mean, you guys were like on a we had 12, fast track. We had 12 hours. I mean. Yeah, we had 12 hours. I just, having four kids myself, yeah. I'm not going to pretend I understand. But, but you I, can empathize because you know how much you love him. Yeah, but right. I, I feel that like right. I can just imagine in such a short window. Yeah. You're just thrown into this. Yeah. yeah, we were. They they took such beautiful care of Jackson and us at the at Children's Hospital. They, I mean, there were doctors that hugged me and cried with me and just loved me in a way because they have unimaginable jobs. I mean, you're dealing with people's pride and joys, you know. And so, you know that. I mean, if there was anything that could ease anything it was how much the doctors cared for us too you know so um very quickly after jackson died um we 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 read to our kids a lot and i was looking for books um on how to help ivan understand this um, and again, because we were so honest about it, um, that was really kind of the approach that I was looking for. And a lot of the books were fluffing um, it up again. Oh yeah, Fluffy the bunny died, and I'm not I'm not diminishing when uh, someone loses a pet. That, sure, sure, right, yeah. But a brother's a little different, right, though. Even like grandma died. Right. That isn't the same as losing your sibling at this age and and to be able to just really get that kind of a grasp so I was looking online I was looking at the library I was just grasping and I'm like I guess they don't have any books for people who lost a sibling so which was, consequently is kind of forging a new path for it, you it is it is not something I ever fathomed I would do um but I guess I'm learning through the situation that um if I can't find what I'm looking for then Maybe I just have to do it myself. So literally, at first, I was like, you're crazy. You do not need to write a book. Like, seriously, like, you just lost your son. You don't need to be doing stuff like that. And it just kept coming back. It just coming coming back. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to write down these words. I mean, and, and, I mean, it just, like, it just came out one day. I'm like, okay. Almost well, kind of divinely inspired, it, huh? it really was. It really was. I can't. I cannot explain it. Any I don't know other where way. this is coming from, right. but you know, it's really good, <laughs> right, right? And I'm like, well, okay. So we, I have done zero editing. It was just like these words came out, but it really was inspired by the help from the child life specialist because because of those words, it did help Ivan to understand. And so, and it could be very useful to parents either now or in the future right because though tragic yes there's other parents that absolutely absolutely that have young siblings right and there's so many layers to kind of why I decided to write this book uh at first when Jackson died we were looking at pictures and videos and crying and just just oh just just leveled everything and so we would be looking at videos and Ivan would say, what about me? I was like, okay, okay, we better look at videos of you too. Cause it was just like, our minds were just, just so overtaken with, with Jackson. And so, you know, when we would be sad and crying, we would say, Ivan, you know, we are so sad that Jackson died, but we are glad you're still here because I didn't want him to feel like he didn't matter to us. It because it, it was so hard to to balance our attention. You know, he's three and a half, so he needs us for everything. But we couldn't think straight. I mean, we couldn't. Probably just getting up in the morning oh. took monumental effort. We had people that were bringing us food, that were going to the grocery store for us, that were doing laundry for us, that were cleaning our house. And to be honest, if we didn't have that, I don't know how we would have eaten. Because there was, I ate because I had to. It, well, you kind of shared the first month or two. You don't even know how anything got done. No, I really don't. I, I'm surprised that we didn't get like um, our electric turned off or anything because I don't know how I did it. I don't know. I mean, I think I did, but I have almost zero recollection of the month after he died because I, I didn't go anywhere. I did not leave the house. 
Um, and it was partially because I, I didn't have to. People were very caring for us, which I I just can never thank people enough um, because we, you know, there was just so much in our mind and, you know, sorting through everything. And, you know, your, your mind just goes into, like, protection mode because if you really felt the gravity of the situation all at once, I truly believe it would kill me. I mean, it's like your brain only allows you to process so much at a time. Well, the first time I met you was a couple Saturdays ago at the Santa Claus mm-hmm. fundraiser mm-hmm. we were doing. And I was a little shocked at how well you carried yourself. Well, um, part of it is because... I feel that Ivan has already been slighted enough. Um, He lost his big brother. He lost the person that he looked up to. And I say this all the time. If any, if either one of my children wanted to be an only child, it was Jackson, not Ivan. He looked up to his brother so much. Um, And Ivan really wouldn't give me much of a choice um, because he has a very upbeat personality. He likes to go, go, go. He does. He's he's about as cute as can be. Yeah, and he's a little firecracker. So, I mean, I can probably lay in bed for about 30 seconds in the morning before he's ready to rock and roll. And so while sometimes that's hard, I'm also thankful for that because – and if it wasn't for him – I don't know where we would be and I don't know I don't know if I would be getting out of bed or not um so he is definitely a blessing and the reason that we keep going and and he sometimes will say the sweetest things to us you know we're crying and we're sad and he'll say well I'm not sad because Jackson's in my heart (laughs) oh I know I know and I mean it's so beautiful but it's also like so tragic at the same time so hard I mean but you know he's we're trying to give him the tools you know to be able to talk about it and process it and understand it and he's in play therapy and I'm so thankful for that too because again I don't know how to do this there is no guidebook on how to do this and I am constantly grasping at straws on how to figure this out like which is kind of maybe not with absolute clarity but it's kind of cutting a new mission for you it is it is and I I like to volunteer and I like to do things for others and I'm finding and feeling so much that first of all if one of Jackson's friends died I know he would be doing the exact same things that his friends have done um so Let's see. It was in October, so that would have been three, about three months after Jackson died. Uh, one of his classmates um, wanted to do a lemonade stand, and so right at our little gas station by our subdivision, in, in honor of Jackson, in honor of Jackson for, uh, for the St. Baldrick's. Um, so they had a, a lemonade stand and told the school district and people around. They raised twelve hundred dollars in three hours these little girls for Girl Scouts. So that was kind of one of the things that came from this. Um, so that was beautiful too, because I love to think about, um, you know, kids, um, having that kind of a giving heart because Jackson had that kind of a giving heart. Um, and you know, it's like, if this could be turning these kids into advocates and, you know, speaking up for a childhood cancer because it needs to be spoken up about. I feel like it's a taboo subject that people don't want to talk about. And I'm starting to wonder if it's because it's horrifying. Who wants well, to talk about kids having cancer? It, of, of course it's horrifying. But right. w- when you think about it, like, so Jackson's run here on Earth wasn't very long. But if you go to today and look at the impact. Yeah. He's having in so many different directions. Oh, my gosh. Well, one of and, the – And so, uh, you know, that's the beauty and yeah. the tragedy. Oh, yes. Is that he's like this force yeah. that's got his classmates mm-hmm. raising money. I mm-hmm. mean, just good things yeah. that this world really needs a lot more of. Yeah. Well, he had it on his bucket list that he wanted to become a legend. I, I think he's uh, – Yeah. He's, this isn't the way we wanted him to become a legend. Right, right. But if, if beauty 
can come from this kind of a tragedy, then his life had a, an amazing purpose. And trust me, I think you can already tell in the short time that you've known me, I will spend the rest of my life raising awareness and making sure that his name is kept alive because he was and is, I mean, his, his funeral, his service, there was, people have said, I've never been to a service like that. I've never been to a service with that many people. And just the, you know, we celebrated his life and shared him singing a sweet child of mine. That was a song that my husband sang to uh, both of our boys at bedtime. And, um, we've had, I mean, I just, it's almost hard for me to even recall. So Jackson, so we, um, we had ordered a backpack for Jackson, um, and it came about two weeks after he died. And that was something that just about knocked me flat because Jackson loved school and he was so smart. He already had his second grade sight words memorized. And he wasn't even in second grade yet. And so I offered his backpack to some of his classmates because I'm like, well, maybe they would want to have it to think of Jackson. But they all said it was too sad and too hard. So I was like, well, I'm just going to fill it up with some supplies and I'm going to take it up to the school. Maybe somebody that needs it can use it. That ended up turning into a school supply drive where we collected 100 backpacks we filled an additional 20 backpacks full of supplies and took them to a school in the city. Um, so that was something that came of this. <laughs> I mean, how amazing is that, though? That's... It started with so, the backpack. Two weeks after yeah. he's gone and yeah. he's, he's already got the ball rolling yeah. with yeah. one backpack that led into all these other kids' lives yeah. that were improved yeah. because of all these events prior. Exactly, yeah. So it's, I mean... We've had um, my Pilates class um, raised like $350, and they they gave me a picture that was hand-drawn by an artist in Great Britain. It was a picture of Jesus hugging Jackson. Wow. Oh, yeah, it was uh, painfully beautiful. Um, but, I mean, his story is being told virtually all over the world. And so, you know, it, it, it's a tragedy. And, and even though people say, oh, you know, you carry, you're carrying this so well, I don't ever want to give off that this is not painfully almost impossible at times. No, and I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. no, no I, but I get people say that a lot. But you, you were just very, I, I guess I always reflect everything on myself. And I don't know that I that I would be able to be as strong right. in, in light of that just being honest yeah and I I realize because I never met you before right. so I realize that this is not everybody's path and I will never ever ever judge how anybody else does this sure this is what feels right to me and I promised at his service that I would do everything I could to honor his name and I take that mission very seriously. Um, so we decided, I think it was either a month or six weeks after he died, that I wanted to have a St. Baldrick's at his school because I really wanted to raise awareness about it. His death was the first death in 25 years at his school. Oh, wow. So um, his, his school and his district was very, very affected by this. Um, so we knew already that we were going to do St. Baldrick's. Um, and then I was like, you know, I think we need to do a St. Baldrick's for Jackson. And, you know, at the time, <laughs> I was probably, I was grief-stricken, you know. Sure. But what that has turned into has really blown me away also. So we met another family um, at one of the support groups that we go to, and um, they raised money for St. Baldrick's for their son who died of cancer also. And they told us about something called the Hero Fund, which is um, if you raise a minimum of $10,000, you get to specify where the research funds go. If you just raise money, it goes towards childhood cancer. Just a general. Right. Um, Which is fine. 
but because of Jackson's type of cancer, osteosarcoma. Which was very rare. It is very rare. And so also the complication that he had, uh, only 4% of people with osteosarcoma get this mitral uh, flap on their mitral valve. So they're related. They they were related, we found. Okay. We found that out. And then of that 4%, only 40% throw the clots like he did. So his situation was like totally. Like the absolute worst case scenario. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, but it did help for us to make sense of kind of the craziness that went on in the hospital because I was super nervous the day that we were going to get the autopsy results. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you go get autopsy results for your kid? I mean, I just. I don't even know how you would sit through that conversation. <sighs> because of the wonderful doctors that, so they that were so kind to us. They, they took a more loving approach. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. Met when we could you know, on our terms. Not, you know, we didn't really want to go. We didn't want to go back to the hospital. And in time, I can imagine myself possibly working at the hospital because I had such a positive uh, it's hard to say that it was a positive experience, but in such a nightmare for them to, lo- I mean, if, you know, I don't even think they could ever be rude to people, but it's like, if they weren't as nice to us, you know, obviously we would have had a totally different outcome. But, um, so yeah, to find out that those things were connected did help us to make sense of it. But, uh, so with the Hero Fund, if so if we raise $10,000, we get to specify where the funds go, and then we get to name the grant after Jackson. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know you get to name the grant, yep. too. Yep. I know you told me the first part, but I didn't know. Yes. So that was our immediate goal was to raise $10,000. Um, and interestingly, this is maybe another God thing, another <laughs> coincidence, if you will. Um, I know about one doctor. And I don't, I don't have any doctor friends, but the one doctor I know is a sarcoma specialist here in St. Louis. <laughs> How wild is that? <laughs> I mean, what's the chances? <laughs> I mean, there are 65 sarcoma specialists in the United States. But I mean, to have one that is A, in St. Louis and is your friend. It's my, my old boss's husband. So I'm just like, you know, what are the odds? So we are actually, because he does predominantly adult research, So, but he's um, establishing a program between Washington University and Children's Hospital to do the research for children. So he's actually going to apply for the grant uh, to receive the research funds so that the funds would stay local. So we're crossing our fingers that he would actually get the research funds because then it's someone that we know you know, I mean, here's the bottom line. This isn't going to bring Jackson back to us. Um, but if we can help so that not one more person has to go through something like this, again, Jackson's life was not in vain. So as much as I would give all this up <laughs> to have my son back, that isn't the case for us, unfortunately. So... Do you think that's kind of, you know, just trying to understand better because everybody deals with grief differently, but from one perspective, do you think that it's helped you to kind of turn this into a purpose as Mm -hmm. far as your grieving and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. keeping your feet moving? Mm -hmm. Because you really could go one or two ways with it. Oh, yeah. Complete shutdown. Yep. And who knows what else? Or trying to, you know, like I picture a plane going down and you're just pulling with both arms trying to get this thing righted. Yeah. The day after Jackson died, our um, children's pastor from our church drove. He's gone to a different church now, but he drove from Oklahoma City the day after Jackson died and came and talked to us and said some things to us that really changed the trajectory of how we were going to do this. He said, he's like, you know, you can kind of go one of two ways with this. He's like, you can become bitter and angry and, you know, not be able to get past this and not ever be able to have joy in your life again. Or you can choose to find joy and honor him. And I mean, it was as soon as he said that, 
I'm like, this is a no brainer to me. I mean, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to stop living for Ivan because that's not fair to him. Now I'd be lying if I said there are, there are some days I wish I could lay in bed and cry and just shut down, shut down. But I know Jackson wouldn't want that. And it's I almost as if he's kind of pushing. He, you going, he is. He come is on, abs- mom. Get on is, up. We're going we're, we're gonna to do this another yeah. day. He is guiding me. Everything I do is what what would Jackson want? I want him to be proud. Um, and I feel like he would be proud. Um, and the way that things the connections with people and the relationships and everything there is no other explanation. I mean, well, we met through a garage door. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, you and I didn't meet. That's true. Your husband, yeah, was doing a garage door for. Uh, we were doing something nice for some important people, though. Yes, yeah. for their new home. Yeah, and we, a bunch of us, collaborated on it. And Keith put me in communication with Mike, and mm-hmm. we were coordinating and. Mm-hmm. But Keith didn't tell me the backstory. Right. Oh wow, you didn't know it. I wow. didn't know the backstory <laughs> till after the garage door was. Wow. Put so that had a really profound impact on me. Right. And I just recently met you, and actually just met Mike Friday. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you hadn't met him. Wow. I've never <laughs> met Mike. Wow. So that's the first time I met Mike. But so Keith became very touched by mm-hmm. Mike's story and your story. Mm-hmm shared with me which kind of pulled me in mm-hmm. and it's just been crazy but like everything's kind of getting all interconnected yeah. and it's neat it's, in one sense yeah it really is but it's just amazing to me that when you look at the core of such a major tragedy mm-hmm. but then you look at all the lives that are starting to be changed and touched by Jackson it's very powerful. It really is. It really is. And I, I feel so strongly that his story needs to be shared. Um, yeah, I mean. And you just met with somebody to kind of get the ball rolling with this this book. Or you're getting ready to. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm getting you, ready to. You had to. a conversation. Yeah. but So a friend of mine. So, so really the book at first was I'm just going to write this for Ivan. And then I started to realize and and think that he can't be the only three-year-old who's lost a sibling and I can't be the only parent who wants to be honest and have a a conversation with their child. Don't get me wrong. It's hard, but I want to give him the best possible chance to still thrive and have a normal life because I mean, this is a tragedy for him too. You know, I mean, he, who knows? Who, who knows what's going to happen with him? But I'm going to do everything I can to give him the best possible tools to, you know, to thrive and, you know, maybe make a difference in his life at some point, which I truly But it almost seems will. like it could be kind of a guidebook for the grieving parents as well. Yeah, and, you know, the so the, the basis of the book is reminding the child that we're glad that they're still there, but also... It's a reminder for the parent also that sometimes it is hard to think about this other child. But, you know, if you're if you're reminded of that early on, it could possibly help the way that you go, too, because you do, you know, as hard as it is to have to take care of a child while you're grieving, they're grieving. They don't understand. You're trying to maneuver all this. It's still important for them to get that message. And it, it calms him every time we say that, that we're glad that he's still there because he's probably going to get tired of hearing about Jackson all the time. I mean, you know what I mean? Because we talk about him a lot. I mean, maybe he's not going to get tired of it, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of our attention is on him and you know, so we're, Always still trying to find the right balance. Look, nobody's keeping score because, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the thing. Sometimes I think we are a little harder on ourselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, this lady's going to come out of the closet and say, I've been observing your parenting. <laughs> right. And here's all the places you're falling Well, short. you know, people are very, oh, they're very critical about parenting and different things like that. No, yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying. I'm that's talking about more of an right. internal. Right. Because I do this even with my own kids. Like, at times feel like. 
maybe I'm not doing the best that oh, I yeah. could be doing. Yeah. And, you know, but sometimes it's just life is busy. Things are going on. You're trying to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's only so much of you to go around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to balance all that. That's for sure. But um, what was I going to say? I had something I was going to say. Um, I probably interrupted. That's all right. Um, it's surprising that I haven't lost my train of thought yet because. Uh, Can I share the Lego story? Yes. Yes. So we were at the the Our Lady of the Snows. Actually, we might have still been at La Casona, but Ivan came up and I, I was, I said, uh, I heard you don't like uh, Legos. I think we were actually at Our Lady of the Snow. I said, so I heard you don't like Legos, and he goes, I like Legos. <laughs> I said, well, I, I heard you didn't like them. And he looks at me and he goes, you're just being silly. <laughs> but oh, yeah, he's I don't know, how smart is he? Oh, he's yeah, like, he's, he he's figured smart. out that I was just joshing around with them. Oh, yeah. You can't get much past him, that's for sure. But wouldn't he, what a neat experience that was for him that night. To, yeah. To something he loves as much as Legos, yeah. and they had that whole display. Yeah, and I mean, that's been, um, you know, this we're embarking our first uh, holiday season yes. without Jackson. Um, and that's not easy. Um yeah, everything we do, his absence is noticed very much. I mean, he was seven years old, so he was, you know, always with us. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Do you for, ever forget that sometimes? That he was seven? No, no, no. That he's not with you? Yes. Because there's times where I still, I talk. Like, you know, I mean. But I would, I, I would almost get, like, out of the car. Right. And I know. You get Ivan out, but yeah. my brain would be like, oh, I have to go yeah. get Jackson. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, even like when we go to a restaurant, I mean, tables are almost always tables of four. And uh, we were out to ice cream a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, we, you know, go out to dinner and stuff. And sometimes I notice it and sometimes I don't. But we were sitting at a table and it was a table for four. And I hated seeing that empty seat so I kept switching seats and then I just moved the seat out of the way because I'm like I don't want to see that empty chair you know I mean I just you know it's almost like you want to deny it because it hurts so much and like the only way I feel like I am getting through this is going day by day Uh, when I get too far ahead of myself it's it's more than my mind can handle Um, you know there's times where I am sad because Jackson never got to lose a tooth and he wanted so badly to lose a tooth. He didn't get to go to second grade. He never gets to have a girlfriend. Um, but you can see that path going down that path is torture. I mean, it's torture. So I guess my own way of coping is I just have to take the punches as they come. You know, um, when I get too focused on that, um, it's just not a place that I want to. It's kind be. of a rabbit hole that. Trust it, me, I think about it, and it's in my movie in my head. Yeah. But um, you know, I just always go back to um, you know. Now you did honor him on Thanksgiving. We did. We uh, we. Which I thought was very cool because you posted that. And yeah, I, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I am always grasping at something that I think. I just want him included. I mean, it doesn't feel right for me not to include him. Even at the Santa, when we had the pictures with Santa, um, I cried because I've never had a picture taken of just Ivan without Jackson. So I brought his 8x10, and Santa held the picture, and so then he he was a part of it because he was 7. He would be getting his picture taken with Santa if he was here. And – and then on Thanksgiving, we set a spot for him. And I've learned some things through kind of the online grieving groups and stuff. And we just are kind of taking pieces that we want, you know, to incorporate in our life. So we lit seven candles. Um, and at Thanksgiving, we all um, said what we were thankful for, who did we miss, and some memories with them. So that gave people um, – the opportunity to share whoever they missed. You know, obviously, mostly everybody missed Jackson, but, you know, my cousin missed her father and her brother, you know. So it was like I, I'm i learning how to normalize 
this and because this is a part of my life now and it's very hard to be the person that um, sometimes people don't want to talk to because I like to talk to people I'm a I'm a people person so when people who used to speak to me don't speak to me because it's awkward for them it's too painful that's hard that's hard for me I can empathize but I'm like I'm still a person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but do you, do you almost think though, that maybe for, for some of them, they just don't know what to yeah. say. Yeah. And, and it's not even a case that they don't care or they don't right. care about you, but it's just like, I just don't know what to right. say. And we've had, um, one of Jackson's classmates, his father came over to drop something off right after he died. And I mean, he was visibly nervous. He was like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really nervous. I don't know what to say. And I was like, you know what? I want to get, I want to let you off the hook. There's nothing you can say that's going to make us feel better. So, so just take that pressure off yourself, you know, talking about Jackson. Do you think that's kind of the pretense sometimes people have with you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard too, because, um, you know, I, I'm not scared to talk about things, um, I'm not scared to talk about subjects that might be taboo to some people, but they. But your but you, but your openness, and I noticed this when we were at the Santa Claus thing. Your openness kind of diffuses an issue with right. the conversation. Right. I hope that. No, I, I I'm right. I'm just telling you right. that it was like you kind of established a set of comfort. Right. That it was okay to talk with you. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because... Um, because you don't know. I mean, right, you really right. you, you really don't know. Right. It's not that I didn't care. Right. It's like, I don't even know how to approach this. <laughs> right, right. I. Um, but you kind of grabbed the bull by the, well, by the horns, and you're like, yeah, this is... I was like, right. wow, yeah. she is making this way easier than I expected. <laughs> well, good. That actually makes me feel really good, because... Um, I've been told that I'm very matter-of-fact how I talk about the story, um, which was actually slightly hurtful to me, um, but this is my story. I mean, I wish it wasn't my story, but this is my story, right. and and I want to share it. I feel like I have to share it, and if I can make it so that people can say in the future I've been very vocal on, on social media and I've written quite a bit of about my struggles and, uh, people have reached out to me and said, please keep writing, please keep sharing. Cause that's therapeutic for me. So I did, I started a blog and that's really just because I was doing it already anyway, anyway. And I called it, uh, the beautiful tragedy, um, because of, for me, the surrogacy and Jackson's death are intertwined they're they're not separate events to me so that was so beautiful you know and then obviously this was a tragedy but even still what has come from this tragedy is for us deeper friendships and relationships and people who have just walked into the fire with us and I just can't be more thankful you know for people when you come over it's not easy to sit with someone in this kind of pain. It's it's not easy. But people, you know, I feel like so many people are being affected by that and they're they're not coming over trying to fix it because this is something that you can't fix. And um and that's hard. That's hard for people. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like cuz I think a lot of people are inclined to try to resolve. Mhm. Mm Especially if it's somebody they care about. Right. But there is no resolution to that. Yeah. I said early on, as long as you don't come to me and say, uh, this was God's will or he's in a better place. As long as you don't say those things to me, I'm not going to get upset. Now, as far as I know, he's in heaven. I know that. Um, but he's seven years old and he should be with me. That's why I don't want that to be said. Um, and at first... I had a hard time. I don't blame God. I don't believe that this, that God did this. I do wonder why he couldn't perform a miracle. But our grief counselor told us that I have to screw the wise because you're, you're never going to get the answer 
why did this happen? It's never going to make sense. I mean, I had to almost repeat the story so many times because I was trying to make sense of something. Well, you could almost make yourself crazy trying to nail down the whys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying I always do that, and I'm not saying I'm always successful, but I definitely don't need any more reasons to blame myself or, you know, if I did this, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. I mean, it's just not productive. It, it doesn't help, you know. So I try not to do those things. I'm not saying I always do it because, trust me, I do not know how to do this. But I'm I'm trying. I'm not going to give up. Um, in these grief groups that I'm in, it's sad because, I mean, I saw – situations where it had been nine years for someone and they still couldn't get out of bed and and trust me I can understand that oh yeah I can understand that you know but I had a pretty strong mission before so what are some of the things you tell yourself when you're having one of those mornings where you getting up doesn't even feel like an option for that day because you have to be going somewhere deep. Just out of curiosity. Right. You don't have to tell me. I'm just. I mean, I just. Um, <clears throat> I, I I do a lot for Ivan. I have to. Put, I have to do a lot of hard things. Um, he keeps you on your toes. Though. He does. He does. He's a busy guy. One of our friends said he's actually kind of like having two kids, which is kind of true because he's he's just a busy kid. But he's very smart. He's you know he's a happy kid intuitive Uh, oh yeah oh yeah he i mean he'll you know he'll see us cry i mean we haven't muted our emotions around him right um, because we want to show him that it's okay to cry it's okay to be sad i don't like that mentality because i feel like men in a lot of ways have been kind of suppressed like you're not a man if you cry it's like um no when you lose a child if you mute those kind of emotions, it's going to turn out to be bad news later on in life. Yeah. You know, it's going to come out sideways right? at, at, at yeah. some point. And I feel like, you know, I have to um, it's almost like sometimes I feel like I'm a masochist because I'm like, I just keep pushing through and, and facing things. And, I, and trust me, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks after Jackson died, we went to bounce you. And I mean, I sobbed the whole time I was there because that was a place that Jackson loved. And, you know, I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to have fun for Ivan, but I wasn't having fun. I hated it. I mean, it, it was horrible. And, but I'm like, everywhere I go, I'm going to think about Jackson. We took our kids everywhere. I mean, we were always going, we were always doing something. And I am so, so, so happy that we did that because I have no regrets. I, we showed Jackson, I mean, he, and he wanted to do everything. He took horseback riding lessons. He took guitar lessons. He took piano lessons. <laughs> he took taekwondo. He, he was. He packed so, a lot in. And, he did. Uh, and he really years. did. He did. He wanted to eat everything. He would try anything. This child loved clams. Oh yeah. He loved frog legs. He, I'm not kidding you. He would try anything. And I'm like, Oh gosh, was he like soaking it all up? You know what I mean? Like he was almost like fast tracking. Oh, he really was. He was. I'm not kidding you. He he lived a lot of life in seven years, and he, you know, um, he, um, I have a good friend who works for Stray Rescue, and so we would follow the stories of the dogs on Stray Rescue. And he, there was a dog in our neighborhood that was lost, and he just couldn't. He couldn't stand the thought of this dog being lost. And so there was one day there was another dog that was running around, and he just had to go get that dog and take it back to his owner. And he was so proud of himself for doing that. And, you know, he had such a big heart. And, I mean, I am just so, so proud to be his mom. I mean, he he just touched so many people's lives. And, you know, he was just a lover, and he – was the sweetest i mean he loved music music's been hard for me music is hard man because we rocked out and jammed out to all sorts of different kinds of music i'd look back in in his seat and i mean i still do it sometimes you know i can't hardly listen to music like when i can when i'm at home and i can listen to music that i know that's fine but when i'm out and about and you hear that overhead music and 
Ooh, that was what was hard about going out in public at first because it was like you can't control. You no, know, yeah, you can't avoid stuff. Well, you can, but only for so long because that's one of the hardest things is that life keeps moving whether you want it to or not. And I don't like the idea of moving on and moving forward without Jackson. That's that's a that's hard. Because I don't want to. It doesn't feel right. But that's one of the harsh realities of losing a child is that, you know, you have a lot of help in the beginning. And, and we've been fortunate because we have still had help and people are still thinking about us. But a lot of people, after a certain amount of time, everybody has to go back to their normal life. And this doesn't feel like normal life to us. Um because we, one of our children is gone now. Yeah, and you don't get to walk away from it. No, no. And if I could say anything to anybody as far as, like, helping someone in their grief journey is, uh, you know, like, we have a friend who sends us a card every week and has done it since Jackson died. And to know that people are still thinking about us means so much. I mean, because, like I said, after a month, that's when the Novocaine starts swearing off. It's like, oh, no, this is your reality now. And it sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's just no no nice way to put it. And people ask me, how am I doing? I hate that question. Because guess what? I'm not great. And I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, everybody just naturally says, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Well, I'm going to say sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that great. But I'm here. And I say, I'm alive. <laughs> And sometimes that's about all I got. I'm alive. <laughs> Did you have anything else that you wanted to share with anyone out there? Um, um, you know, like I said, I realize this is not everybody's path. Um, but I feel like there, if you can look for the beauty in these kind of situations, I think sometimes you can see that. You know, I mean... It's kind of overwhelming if you really kind of start looking at all the things that have popped up as a result of this. Yeah. Good things. Oh, yeah. And they're just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, trust me, there's times I had one day where I was like, please don't anybody send me any messages or texts because I, I can't. I just need one day. And so it was like, because there's, I mean, to think you can be overwhelmed with support. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. So, um, I don't know. You know, just uh, when someone's grieving, you know, it's painful. But um, you can't fix it. How about trying to keep them moving? Um, you know, like I said, what I do is I think about what, what Jackson would want and how I can make him proud. And It's almost a mindset every morning when you yeah. get, get, despite how you may be feeling. Yeah. And there's days where it almost knocks me flat. Right. And I just have to let it do that sometimes. Um, just roll with it. Yeah. And allow yourself. Yeah. That time. Yeah. It's amazing how you can have pain and still also sometimes have joy. It has given me empathy to other people's situations to realize. I, I always said when I did my first errand, it was AT&T or something that kind of ticked me off. And I was like, well, if everybody just treated people like they had just lost a child, this world would be so much kinder. You know, so when you realize that everybody has their stuff, everybody's going through something, you know, just be kind. I mean, you know. There is kindness and there is beauty in this world. If but we you all could make it. we could all make a little more effort. Yeah. Just just in our day to day. Yeah, I mean it's like it's not that hard to just be kind, you know. I mean you don't have to honk at people in traffic and you don't have to, you know, get mad because somebody goes in front of you. But if you do, understand that people have stuff. Yeah. You know. Well, this has been a great interview and. I honor you for coming on oh, here thank you. because it takes a lot of courage to talk about these things. But I do think that there's a lot of people that could be helped. I hope so. 
through this conversation. I hope so. And I've always said if there's something that I can do that benefits me but also helps other people, then why not? You know, I think possibly maybe there's that mom that's been stuck and maybe listening to you, you've given her kind of like a, a repurposing. I hope so. I hope so because this is not this is not an easy journey and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And when you enter the, um, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, when you enter the community of being a bereaved parent, you know, you automatically have something in common with them because I can talk to you and tell you all day long, but it's not the same as talking to someone else who's lost a child because if I shared everything that goes on in my head, you'd probably think I was certifiably crazy. And trust me, I feel like it sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, having that community and reaching out to people and not trying to do this by yourself. Our grief therapist says you weren't born knowing how to tie your shoes and you weren't born knowing how to ride a bike. How could you expect to know how to grieve mm. uh, the loss of a child? We don't know how to do this because this is not this is not the natural order of things. It's not the way it's supposed to be. That was a real nugget you just shared as far as getting involved with yeah. the grief communities and yeah. stuff because, and I like your analysis of riding a bike and tying yeah. your shoe because especially when you're in the throes of grief, you, I think innately as people, we try to fix what's going on inside of us, but oftentimes you do need that outside. Yeah help to get yeah through that. well you don't have to do it by yourself yeah and even more importantly right not you can but it's it's a lonely enough journey yeah so knowing that you don't have to do it yourself well thanks so much for coming on today thanks for having me and i can't wait for your book already got the I, i've already got a preview of some of the art and i've got to tell you the art is off the charts oh yeah going to be awesome yeah so awesome and coming up in january we have the team jackson poker tournament oh yeah pretty pretty psyched about that so i don't know how to play poker but i'll learn neither do i (laughs) but anyway we'll have details on this feed as well uh for you to check that out and thank you again for for coming on yes thank you for having me we look forward to having you on in the future as All well. Right. Who knows Who knows what the future holds? Oh, it's going to be a lot. I think so. Yeah. Jackson, Jackson's jackson got, got some major powers going. Yep. <laughs> He's really yes. ignited some things in your life that for someone that was seven, it's like, wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so. That's true. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming yes. on today. Thank right. you. Bye.